Pod, I'm Chris Hewitt and welcome to the first of our weekly spoiler specials dedicated to the second season of The Mandalorian. Yes, indeed, it is back. Mando is back. Baby Yoda is back. And we are back to discuss it. Very, very happy indeed. And joining me to have a good old natter about Chapter 9 of The Mandalorian, the episode entitled The Marshal are three of the finest Mando-splainers I know. We have Boba Fett, fangirl, Helen O'Hara. Hello. No. <laughs> no. Let's no. just nip that no shit in that. the butt right now, <laughs> mister. We have Django Fett fanboy, James Dyer. Django? Nah. <laughs> Get him dead. Get him dead. Get him dead. And we have Baby Yoda stalker Ben Travis. Hello. You can't see because it's a podcast, but I'm doing the magic hand thing. Oh. <laughs> and we're also joined by one very, very special guest. Who is this Hoven interview? Oh, my <gasps> word. Look at that. It is Baby Yoda himself in plushy form. Oh, <laughs> very cute. I would die very even cute. for that plush. Even in plush form, <laughs> he, I, would, I would forsake my sacred bounty code. <laughs> I would lay my life on the line, but I'm not returning him to anybody. He is mine. Of course not. Why, why, why would you? Why would you? Where he goes, you exactly. go. <laughs> I would tr- um, treasure him always. So yes. The- can I start with a brief digression by saying this? Oh, yes, Christ. yes, I'm beginning already. But did, <laughs> so, did you watch the final season of The Good Place? Yes. yes. Do you remember when the judge summons Timothy Oliphant as yes. US Marshal Raylan Givens because she is so enamoured with that character? <laughs> I can't help feeling that John Favreau is channeling the judge ever so slightly in this episode by summoning US Marshal Raylan Givens as a character called the Marshal. Mm. I'll be honest. Yes. I've always felt I had a lot in common with the judge. You know, I have enormous cosmic power. I love to wield a gavel. And and I share her regard for Timothy Oliphant. So, you know, this this episode was was absolutely spot on for me. Yeah. I mean, he's he's absurdly handsome, isn't like he? What's yeah, going on with that? Outrageously handsome. Mm. He has been outrageously handsome for years. Like, I remember in Go, he was a drug dealer. <laughs> and I was still watching it going, I mean, with the hair is it really all that askew? bad? Should people really say no to drugs? I don't know anymore. Perhaps I'm beginning we should to say wonder. yes to drugs. I, I feel like suddenly I should say yes to drugs. <laughs> He's never looked more so, dashing than he did, as all bald men do in uh, Hitman, Agent 47. It was a good look for him. Uh, I mean, <laughs> hey, I'm look, just saying. nothing against bald men. There are a lot of handsome bald men Thank out you, there, but I feel like yeah. his hair One day we will find one. This- <laughs> his hair in this, because I know this is already getting deep into stuff, but he should have helmet hair, and he does not have helmet hair. He doesn't have he helmet has hair. Swooshy, sort yeah. of specialized, conditioned hair. Helmet hair. Well, this, yeah, this brings back one of my questions. So I think when I interviewed, um, what's his name? Adam Driver. When I interviewed Adam Driver, I asked how he his hair had all that volume when he was wearing the helmet all the time in, in The Force Awakens. I thought it might be like millions of tiny hair dryers built into the hair helmet. So as you lift it <laughs> off, it sort of, whoosh, you know. Um, but he said it was the force that huh. kept his hair bouncing. Uh, so I have to return to my million tiny hairdresser dryers yeah. theory for this one. Shall we take a second just to have, just to, just to think, just reflect, just for a second. Upon Timothy Oliphant's helmet, it had a dent in it. I'm way it did ahead have of you. Boba Fett's dent. The second he's he, the second he arrives on screen, within seconds, I have to say, God, apparently we are talking about the episode. I will set it up officially in a second. <laughs> but uh, uh, I did feel a little sorry. I have to say for Pedro Pascal, because here is a, a very handsome man, super handsome guy in his own right, super handsome, and he's not allowed to take the helmet off. Because no. of that stupid fucking foul oh, that, that that Mando took. And within seconds, there's Timothy Olyphant appearing on screen, pulling off his helmet and revealing the glory underneath. Yeah, it can't be easy. I mean, as uh, I think Chris Pine said this in the magazine. I know that because I wrote it. But he... Um, <laughs> He he said that like last season already was kind of unfair to Pe- to Pedro because not only does he have to wear the helmet hiding his own glorious face, but he also has to compete with the unstoppable cuteness of Baby Yoga as well. <laughs> and now, in addition to that, he has one of the world's most handsome men with his perfectly quaffed, suddenly silver fox locks uh, next to him. And you know, it's it can't be easy. Like it really can't be easy. 
It's a tough life being Pedro Pascal, isn't it? It really is. <laughs> but listen, let me set up the episode. Uh, usually we do, I, I can't remember, it's been a long time since we did this, but usually I do some sort of synopsis, but I'll, I'll, I'll be very, very brief because this is the first episode of season two. It is the first episode written and directed mm. by John Favreau. He was only the writer on only the writer and co-creator and co-showrunner on the uh, on the first season. It's the longest episode to date at a whopping 54 minutes. And I have to tell you, when I got up at seven this morning to watch this episode, knowing I had to write a review of it very damned quickly as well for the Empire website, I thought, oh, please be 35 minutes. Please be 35 minutes. Please be 35 minutes. When I saw 54, I was like, oh, no, please, no. But, it, you know, I think it, 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 it skips works along. Fast. Yeah, it skips along. It really it doesn't does. feel long at all. And it's very much a statement of intent, this episode as well, because I think it's the show basically saying, we know that you love Baby Yoda, <laughs> but this show is The Mandalorian, and it is going to remain The Mandalorian, and it's not suddenly going to become the Baby Yoda variety hour brackets featuring Mandalorian <laughs> occasionally. Uh, because Baby Sorry, Yoda's ben. not in this one an awful lot, and this is very much a case of, as I said in my review, second first, same as the first if you didn't know that there was a six month to a year break in between seasons, it feels very much like the show has just carried on where it left off. Hmm. I can't lie, I was slightly upset by the lack of Baby Yoda this time. I was thrilled that he was there in the opening shot. I was there thinking, how long are they going to make me wait? How long are they going to hold off <laughs> on the thing that I'm here for? Um, and it was pretty much immediate. And then um, he was more or less relegated to just reaction shots. He was like, you know, there's people who do reaction videos on YouTube. It was like various <laughs> things happening. And it would just occasionally cut to Baby Yoda, either going, ooh, or going, ooh, no. Or Baby Yoda <laughs> listening to the drum solo from In the Air Tonight. <laughs> that would be wholesome content. I would love that. Baby Yoda, though, apparently, you know, hiding in a jar or behind a jar at one point. That was super cute. <gasps> hiding that in a jar adorable. was great. See, that that wasn't a jar. That's a spittoon. Yeah. Well, but maybe it wasn't spatting. Maybe they have different things in, in space yeah. saloons. Uh, so for the, most of the episode, he's covered in sticky space tobacco. Ew. Yeah. Ew. No, don't blame me. I'm not the one who climbed <laughs> into a spittoon. Well, Idiot but- Baby Yoda. Spitting tobacco aside, I say this episode leans into the Western <laughs> tropes, I would say, almost more than any mm. other episode thus far. And it's certainly yeah. episodes one and two of season one are heavily, I mean, the whole thing's a Western, but one and two in particular were very much, you know, Western focused. But this, you know, when he literally rides into town at the speed of a horse, while all the kind of homesteaders <laughs> look home, like peer over from their porches, and, like give him the stink eye. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. And then Timothy Oliphant turns up wearing spurs. Yeah, so in the saloon course, door. You know. like it's, and it's Raylan <laughs> Givens is extraordinary. It's not just Raylan Givens. It's, um, it's, it's Seth Bullock. Also true. Yeah. Yes, yes. As is, by the way, I don't know if you noticed that the, uh, the guy playing the weak way, uh, according to the credits, is W. Earl Brown, who is also in Deadwood. So there's ah. a little unofficial, or not unofficial, because this is official, but a little unheralded Deadwood reunion. Yeah, all the way through this episode, only you don't know it until the very also, end. Also, worth oh. noting, I think, and I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's not a Weequay, that is Weequay, formerly of Jabba's Palace Guards. Because uh, originally Weequay was the name of the character, and then it kind of got muddled up, is it actually the race? But I believe now that's just the name of the character. And he calls him Weequay, so presumably that's he does. he's now retired from Jabba's service, and he's running a saloon. Yeah, as yeah. you would. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I'm glad to see he got off that skiff before it exploded. <laughs> uh, if indeed that is the case, because I, I also did some research into this and I was like, is that the weak way from Return of the Jedi? Although, wasn't he one of the ones who was prodding Luke into the Sarlacc? So I actually think he might have, you know, met the wrong end of a lightsaber, but who knows? I don't remember exactly. <laughs> that didn't stop fucking Boba Fett from turning up, but then that let's not get ahead of ourselves. Uh. Yeah, Helen's favourite character. <laughs> although, although, and we will get onto this later, maybe that's not Boba Fett, Helen. Maybe it's one of the many other clones. You don't know. I mean, it's totally Boba I mean, Fett, yeah, totally but, Boba sure. Fett, but yes. it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. That's right. In theory, there should be thousands of yeah. Tamura Morrisons running yeah, around. It could be an old clone trooper. I've always wondered this. Like, didn't the clones, given their accelerated growth, then also have accelerated lifespans? I don't know. You need to head over okay. to Camino, Helen, and uh, and interrogate I the will, cloners. Yeah, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Shouldn't be a problem. Um, do you know about uh, so Cobb Vanth? Cobb Vanth turned up in Chuck Wendig's Aftermath novel. That's where he that's where he first first popped up. Uh, I started reading that book and didn't like it and stopped. But uh, <laughs> I think that's, uh, I found that to be the case with most things I've read by I, Chuck Wendig. I do Wendig, not enjoy uh, books sadly. written in the uh, in that kind of first person cinematic. It's a bit YA for me. I don't, I don't like it in the present tense. Yeah, well, yeah, because yeah, first so first person cinematic. All almost all YA books are written like that. So first person present tense, oh, and I find it very awful, jarring personally. Jar jarring. Yeah, jar jarring, indeed. But in the book, I believe he nicks the armor, doesn't buy it. Like it's slightly mm. different, but it's broadly the same same character. Yes, this is correct. I uh, I also have done five minutes of research, but you actually read the book. But uh, yes, on Cobb Fanth's uh, Wikipedia page, it does indeed say that he he um, he was with someone and he found the armor, and then they basically had a bit of a face off over it, and he stole the armor. But they've decided to retcon already mm. his introduction. Uh, into this into this world, and obviously Cobb Fanth, what a great name! Cobb Fanth is the special guest star this week, and I have to say, this is already showing with John Leguizamo popping up unrecognizably in the uh, opening as Gore Koresh, the the baton that Mando <laughs> leaves strung up on that planet, uh, about to be eaten by lots of red eyed rats, whatever the hell they are, or the creatures from Pitch Black, presumably. <laughs> presumably. <laughs> so we've got John Leguizamo, we've got Timothy Olyphant. Already, the standard of guest star has has gone up a notch, mm. I would say. Mm. Mm. No disrespect to the people in, in season one. I mean, Werner Herzog isn't bad, but uh, Tim Phil's right, better. I have I to say I have missed... <laughs> what was his name? I can't remember. The client. Can I offer you a libation? <laughs> Oh, I miss him. I miss him so much. I I think you can relax into some of the guest stars a bit more this time. I think first time around when we were sort of feeling out how the show was going to work, it was slightly strange knowing that there are all of these big names kind of coming into the show, but going, so are they going to stay with him? Are they going to join a little team? And actually seeing how that first season played out, that he met various people along the way. And by the end of the Mm. season, it all came full circle. Knowing that that's what this show does, it is really enjoyable getting to meet new yeah. characters like Cobb Vanth and thinking that's that's it for the moment, but he will probably be back at some point later in season two or <laughs> beyond. Think? They will they will team up in some way, but it's like an episode one thing for the moment. Uh, or yeah. chapter nine, I should say. Mm-hmm. Episode one is, load, is a yeah. loaded term. Careful bandying <laughs> around the term. Episode one when you're talking about Star Wars. <laughs> especially on Tatooine, especially with uh, <laughs> Annie's pod racer showing a, doing a little cameo here <laughs> as well. I loved the pod yes. thing. I loved the little pod yeah. racer thing. Like I, One of my favourite things about this show and about just general Star Wars stuff um, outside of the Skywalker saga is, is that mixing of different eras is kind mm. of things possible popping up from from one time Mm. into another i i kind of wish i know i know that um favreau and filoni are very beholden to the lucas stuff i would love them to maybe Mm. bring a bit of the sequel stuff in because i think they're very much about bringing prequel stuff into the kind of um middle timeline and i guess there are probably certain things that don't kick in maybe tech wise until 30 years down the line for yeah. the sequel trilogy but some yeah. of the creatures and things I'd love them to to mesh that in a bit more because it's such a joy going like oh this mm. thing from this prequels has now popped up in this other part of the timeline I love the idea that they salvaged the bits of his pod racer somewhere and and, and you know Cobb Vanth is now riding around on it like a bike <laughs> it looks much easier to ride one pod than to have a, a like a twin pod it engine does, situation yeah, but you're just riding around, aren't you? You're, you know, he's not trying to win a race or anything. So it's just moseying, moseisleying, moseisleying. I also particularly love the fact that we now finally know what the fate of R5D4 was. That he's actually turned up in Peli Motto's garage, still with the oil stains around his bad motivator, which I thought was a lovely touch at the time. I've had sleepless nights over that. <laughs> finally, the answers I've been waiting for. <laughs> there, but for the grace of the Force, he could have been the star of the Star Wars trilogy if it wasn't for his bad motivator <laughs> in a sticky back. So close. He would have been the one to have gone off on adventures and not. He would not R2-D2. have been. It would have no lasted five minutes. He would have died. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be like R5, R5 saving the day. I want to see the alternate cut of Star Wars with R5D4 cut in in place of R2D2 in all of their shots. <laughs> Do you think he's got a different scream? It's instead of like a <laughs> it's like a or something instead. <laughs> a little bit sexier. I I was a little bit disappointed to have him going back to Tatooine immediately. 
I mean, I know this. There's definitely a sort of desert planet aesthetic to this show. That you know, even <laughs> when it's not Tatooine, it might as well be Tatooine. But at the mm. same time, you know, it's meant to be the star that's furthest from the brightest center of the galaxy. Bright center <laughs> of the galaxy. Do you know what I mean? It's not meant to be the hub of everything that happens in Star Wars, and it's a little bit odd that it would be as important as as it kind of is to me. I I agree with Helen. I think for me. Uh, Enjoyed the episode a lot. For me, it's middle tier Mandalorian overall. And I think there was that sense of the, the first season ends and he's sent off on, on his quest to go and find Baby Yoda's people and blast off to places unknown. And the first place he goes is the place that we've been to many, many times before. I think it, it yeah. did have that slight drawback of, of, again, making the universe in some ways feel smaller, that mm. lots of things come back into play. I think it was necessary though, because obviously the, the last time he was on Tatooine was when he was hunting down Fennec Shand. And obviously there's the big thing if you see the feet, which people have long speculated were Boba Fett's feet coming up to her body at the end. So I think because it's tying that together and because we do, spoiler, see a glimpse of Tamara Morrison at the end. I think the fact that he's living on Tatooine is is clearly relevant to this. And obviously that's where the armor would be. So I guess getting into that requires this planet to an extent. I guess yeah, so. I think it, I think there was an overarching narrative driving this season. It Maybe, I think maybe more than Moff Gideon. Uh, it may mm. be Boba, 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 Bob, Bob A. Fett, um, and mm. and you know what's Yay. happened to him? Is that him? What's oh, where's his armor? You know what does he want it back? Uh, <laughs> is he you know even annoyed because he's not technically a Mandalorian? All that sort of stuff it sh- should have been digested over the course of a thousand years. Well, except there's that throwaway line, isn't there, about the crate dragon essentially potentially attacking a sarlacc. Yeah. Which then yeah. made me think: How long does it take to digest a sarlacc? And are they going to blow up its stomach? And then the sarlacc is in there, and climbing out of the sarlacc is going to no. be Boba Fett. Oh my god! That'd be confusing. That would oh have been god. insane. But it's interesting, Ben, what you were saying there about uh, thinking it was this mid-tier Mando, uh, and I, I, I had a lot of fun with it. I gave it four stars. I reviewed it for the, the website, as I said already, and I did have a lot of fun with it. But I also thought that people who have maybe criticised the show for occasionally treading water and not necessarily always going for the the larger narrative might have been a little frustrated with it because it's another one where he he goes it, it you know it's basically we've seen this before we've seen this story before he goes mm. to a planet there's a mm. thing he has to kill the thing he teams up with someone to kill the thing this is episode two episode four and even bits of episode eight from last season all smushed mm. into one another in a way. So were you disappointed by that? Did you want to see the larger narrative kick in right from the off? It it did feel familiar, I think, um, because like you said, even to the extent that he goes to a new town and he meets a new person and they have this this bigger trouble and he has to help team up with them to help. And I, I still enjoy that story, but I think for me, this episode did feel a little bit long because it fell into familiar rhythms um, that we'd seen in other episodes. What I will say is when that big showdown came, it was notably bigger than pretty much anything from the first mm-hmm. series. And the mud horn. So especially yes. the mud horn, obviously. So I, I think it, it by the time that final act of this episode kicked in, it did feel big and exciting. And here's your season premiere. Here's the big one. It's the Favreau episode. But I think there was a period in the middle of, of the episode where after you've had your introduction back into the world, back into the characters, um, and I, I thought that was a fun sequence at the sort of boxing match or whatever mm. you want to call mm. it, that then when it fell into that middle section, I thought, it's great. It's Mando. It feels like the show from last time around, but it, it I feel like I've seen this kind of story play out not that long ago. Oh yeah, yeah. It's 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 definitely familiar. But I quite like it. Like I um I hate procedurals. Like I hate these these I hate shows where they just dick around from week to week and then forget about the clearly very important overarching plot while they're getting distracted by other things. Mm-hmm. This is the I'm one show Kelly. that it doesn't bother me on. Yeah, well, quite. But it doesn't. This show doesn't bother me because the overall arching narrative is something I don't care about because he wants to take Baby Yoda home. Yet the one thing we can all agree on is we absolutely don't want him to take Baby Yoda home. So we do not want them to resolve the main narrative. And actually what we want to do is we want to revel in the, you know, Freak of the Week format where he deals with whatever problem from which we're here. It's saving a town. Next week he'll be fighting off bounty hunters. Mm -hmm. I don't even care. I just like spending time with these characters and these little slices of the Star Wars universe. And frankly, the longer he takes to take Baby Yoda home, the better. (laughs) 
<laughs> you don't want to have to deal with Ben in the office just in tears, just in floods just of like, tears every day home. for a week. <laughs> I want him back. I'm going to be destroyed. If, if they are trying to envision a future of the show without Baby Yoda, I don't even want to think about what that is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I don't want to watch it. Like the moment in this where he closes the lid of his own little crib thing just because he sees the fight coming is fucking oh, genius, even if it was in the trailer. It's super cute. Agreed. I have one quibble though. One oh, quibble. Okay. And it is a thing that bugged me in season one and it bugs me even now. I do not buy, I do not buy that people don't know what Jedis are and don't know what the Force is. I just do not buy it. I especially don't buy it when fucking Peli Motto literally says, thank the Force when he comes in. It's like, no, 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 you cannot have it both ways. You cannot say thank the Force and yet also pretend that the Jedi are wizards, mystical wizards that no one's heard of. No. I think it Brand also over. bothered me a little bit that he is very willy-nilly with with Baby Yoda. He will just he flaunts Baby Yoda yeah. on the back of the bike. He needs a, a, some kind of like papoose or something to carry him around because he's either just <laughs> baby like Bjorn. leaving him around somewhere in the background where like yes. anyone can come and take him, or he's like bringing him with him. And it's like, oh, you're that Mandalorian who has that bounty that everyone wants. Who is this little thing that nobody in the universe or in the galaxy knows what it is. So even though they're all aliens, they'd all be looking at it like, mm. what the hell is that? When he went off into the saloon and left Baby Yoda on the bike, I had proper anxiety. I was like, what are mm-hmm. you doing? You cannot leave your child unattended on the back of your motorbike. Bad dad. <laughs> I think he trusts, Terrible parenting. He trusts Baby Yoda to take care of himself for the most part. I think that, and and and, and rightly so. Given Baby Yoda has form in that department, I think it's yeah he's got four powers yeah yeah. And also, I think there's a larger point to be made. I mean, you know, look around us at the moment, how quickly people seem to forget the past, uh, how quickly it's doomed <laughs> to repeat itself. So I can kind of get on board people not really remembering the Jedi. I can kind of get on board with that. It's been what twenty five years at this point. Really? This is why I don't have a problem with the um, First Order stuff in the sequels as well. I, mean, I know I keep banging this drum, but people being like, it's just the same things come back again. And it's like, look at 2020, look at 2016. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is a the, thing. The, it, it's cyclical. <laughs> it comes back around. People forget. Nazis are bad. We got rid of the Nazis. Hey, look at this guy. <laughs> he looks fun. Yeah. So the episode, should we, we let's just talk about the, uh, the Gore Koresh bit. Because I like that bit, because the idea that it was on a different planet and it mm. felt different. I don't know what the name of the planet is. Uh, does anyone know where they are? I'm sure it'll... I have no idea. I don't idea. know, but it looks a bit like Peckham. <laughs> it was Peckham. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it looks a lot like Peckham. <laughs> yes. It was a shortage for Star Wars. That's basically what it was. And uh, uh, you had the Gamorrean Guard sort of mm. MMA fight <laughs> going on with axes, <laughs> but they had force bubbles, so... Well, they seem to be electric in some way. Mm. I suppose it's to get away from the fact that this is a Disney Plus show and you can't have two things wailing on each other with axes. You say that, and yet at the same time, when Bandu dispatches all of Gore Koresh's blokes, it's kind of brutal. And then later on, you have the crater dragon just vomiting acid on <laughs> yeah. all sorts of dudes. He went full brindlefly. He really, really did. did. I was expecting to see a cut to one of the Tuscans looking like a meal from Robocop, but unfortunately we didn't get that. <laughs> no, the, the Tuscans looked like a meal, all right, but uh, a meal. I, yeah, I, I see it, what you yeah, did there. Yeah. A meal, rather than no, a meal. No, I get meal. it. We get it. Yes, we get it. We're, we're there with you. A-M-E-A-L. No, we're there with you. We wish we weren't there with you, but we are, yeah, in fact, We've been there, there for some you. time. You got like, it? Helen and I have Great. been here. We've had a meal. Like Fantastic. <laughs> Mando killing everyone with that knife, I think, felt a little bit more brutal because you don't really tend to get that in the Star Wars universe. Even, like, mm. the lightsabers, it's like a fictionalized fantasy type, mm. whereas he was literally just stabbing dudes with knives. <laughs> he was shanking people left and right. Yeah. It's like a prison yard fight. How many whistling birds does he have? Uh, yeah, because they're Beskar, aren't they? Like, they're expensive shit. Maybe he goes back and collects them. You know, recycling, guys. Get with it. It's really important. Do they explode? Yeah, who or are they who just made bullets? them? For, like, Because the armourer made him the first set, didn't he? But you're right, See? unless he went and collected them again, which I don't think is an option. Well, it's like a video game. You just you just walk over something and it goes back into yeah, your you arm. pick them back up again. <laughs> <laughs> Walk over a health pack. Oh, I feel much better now. Oh, thanks very much. Like Resident Evil mixing herbs together. But yes, so Gore Koresh, I mean, that is John Leguizamo, apparently. I don't know whether that's actually him under layers of prosthetics, but it doesn't even sound like him. It seems like they've treated his voice slightly. So what's the point of having John Leguizamo? I'm with you. I don't understand that. Why have someone unrecognisable in both face and voice and yet still have to pay them extortionate money? Yes. Maybe he's just like buddies with Favreau. I mean, he was in Chef, you know. 
Maybe. That's a Maybe. very good Maybe point. Maybe working for grilled cheese sandwiches. Oh, I mean, I would. Have you seen those grilled cheese and <laughs> chef? Oh, my God. Can we take a minute's silence just to consider and appreciate the 24-hour oh brisket from Chef? Can we just take a moment? Oh, oh that brisket. Oh, Jesus. Oh, so good. Anyway, so Gore Koresh, he, <laughs> he does that thing with Mandu where he goes, Oh, yeah, I'll bet. I'll bet that this guy is going to die in the next minute and a half against your Beskar Steel. And then Mando doesn't take the bet and he just kills the dude anyway. So I'm not entirely <laughs> sure about his gambling habits uh, or his gambling strategies. They, they, may, they may be subject to scrutiny. Mm. But that was a good sequence. I, I liked that sequence. And then, of course, as you say, we're back immediately to Tatooine and we're back mm. immediately with, uh, what's, what's her name again, Jimbo? Pilot Motto? Her name is Peli Motto. Peli Motto. Played by Amy Sedaris. Mm. Indeed. Who, the who most relatable forget? character in all of the galaxy because she just loves Baby Yoda and she's like, I'll babysit. I can look <laughs> after him. It's fine. Was that a gremlins gag? Like, if this if this little critter divides or something, then I want one. You I know? like that. I like that it was, you know, it wasn't just reproduces or something. It was like so specific. It was, it, was it divides <laughs> or pupates or something? I want, yeah. I want on. And I, I just thought that was really cute because it didn't assume sort of human reproduction um, in a way that like a lot of alien-y stuff does. So I thought it was good. I still don't think he should be 50. I still what think he should think be he should 20 be? or 30. Okay, so like if he is... he if, if we assume that people of Yoda's species live to be Yoda's age, so 800, 900, like he's not a weird outlier, then that's roughly 10 times as long as we live, okay? So if he was on a similar development schedule, he should be mm-hmm. like a five-year-old right now, not like a one-year-old. Or even like he already has wispy white hair. Yeah, but I mean, some babies have wispy white hair. That's fine. That's true. That's just blondes. It's okay. But you know, it, I just feel like he should maybe be more, you know, learning his ABCs or something, or his BCAs, presumably. <laughs> yeah. I, I would not like Baby Yoda to grow hair at any point in the series. I feel like that would be disturbing. We've seen what Yaddle looked like. It was weird. Yeah. Oh right, God. It? Yeah. I don't, don't want a full head of hair. He can just be a little fuzzy peach forever. Aww. Little kiwi. Oh, this is a very weird podcast. What's happened? Uh, <laughs> it is a weird podcast. And we haven't even gotten to the sandworms yet. No, we haven't. So they go to Freetown, they, which apparently is what it's called. I looked it up. Yeah. Uh, from the Chuck Wendig book. Oh, it's not Freetown, is it? It's most Pilgrim. It's called, it's, it is. It's the same it's time, Freetown but it's, yeah. in the. It's Freetown in the book, actually, but it's Mos Pelgo in the yeah. show. Okay, so it's Mos Pelgo. Uh, so he goes there with Baby Yoda. Then he has his standoff with uh, Timothy Oliphant. And did I, did you know it was Timothy Oliphant? The second yes. he spoke, I said, that's Timothy Oliphant. Mm-hmm. Is he going to take off his helmet? Oh, there he goes. There he goes. Oh, <laughs> look at him. Look at him. Walk around him. And, Good uh, Lord. It's like the sun rising. <laughs> really? The two suns <laughs> rising immediately. Oh! <laughs> Who would have thought I'd be the least horny for Timothy Oliphant in this podcast? That is, that is not something I saw coming. My God. My wood was not dead. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> oh, felt it in his bullocks. <laughs> Look, it's justified. Whatever we do, it's justified. Oh, so. hey. <laughs> I was living free and dying hard. Wow. So That's an upsetting me. image. What does that even mean? Anyway, um, did anyone think he was a bad one? No. no. Okay. <laughs> well, whenever he recounts his flashback to Mando, I just thought this is so clearly bullshit. This is—he's just spinning him a line. He just—he just wandered out of a of a blaster fight, grabbed a can, a bag that just happened to have loads of crystals in it. Then he just happened to be found by a sand crawler that just happened to have Boba Fett's armor in it. Uh huh. Pull the other one, mate. It's got bells on it. It all tracks. I think that's totally reasonable. I did think it was a little odd that the Jawas picked him up and then negotiated for his belongings while giving him. They already had his belongings. They already had his belongings. So they were dazzled by the sheer handsomeness of Timothy Oliver. I can believe that. that. I can believe that. Yeah. I've enjoyed the fact that we are learning more about what the Jawas sort of treasure because we know they Mm. like sort of space junk and tech and droids, but I like that they're just like weird space shit, like the egg and crystals. (laughs) They're just like whatever's shiny and weird. They're like, ooh, I want a bit of that. It's they're a bit like Wally, aren't they? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. What what is that thing that the uh, the Tuscan Raiders have find in the entrails? I'm glad you asked, Chris. A it's a crate dragon pearl. That sounds like a sex. Really? Act. Yes, it is a thing that is found inside crate dragons, which looks like a big pearl. And does that so. contribute wow. to a crate dragon pearl necklace? <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh Ew. no, Chris, no. Uh, can I just say the crate dragon is something we should be familiar with because mm -hmm. the crate dragon roar is the sound that Ben Kenobi makes when he rescues Luke from the sand people in Star Wars. And also, we see a skeleton of one, don't we? In, yes, we, we do. do. There's one in Star there Wars as well. On the, on the sand dunes. Mm. Um, crate dragon. That's a name that's I've right. not heard in a long time. Yes, the crate dragon, not to be confused, Ben, with Shai Hulud, the old man of the desert from Denny Villeneuve's Dune. Oh, thank God we got there. I was waiting for Dune to come up. I did not expect it to be a full 32 minutes before we got to Dune. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying desperately to move away from Dune here, but let's, let's move towards Tremors rather than Dune, shall we? Tremors, Tremors, well, Tremors. Know, we, have, we do have to give them some sort of uh, kudos here because they have managed to make a thing that travels through sand and is very, very large and dangerous and doesn't look exactly like a sandworm. Like, it does look mm. a bit like a dragon, which I thought was kind of cool, because I did kind of yeah. think that the crate dragon might end up being even more sandwormy than it obviously is. It's obviously a very small sandworm. This is the kind you'd get around the human settlements, really, rather than in the deep deserts of Dune, just FYI. <laughs> um, but it does seem considerably more bloodthirsty, maybe, than a sand... Mm. Well, it's quite aggressive, is. isn't it? It I does guess get it's shot close. in the face with a rocket. <laughs> oh, I, incidentally, I love, I love the fact that they have that little homage to the Boba Fett toy, the fact that he shoots a rocket out of his jetpack, which is, of course, a nod to the original Kenner toy. The original Boba Fett had a, had a rocket that shot, but obviously they realised that kids would lose their eyes, so they changed it. And it's, it's ready to get one that actually shoots the rocket now. They're worth a fucking fortune, because they're wow. only a very small number of them made. Much like a crate Dragon Pearl, which can be worth upwards of 100,000 credits. Wow, Helen. What will give you 20? Yeah. <laughs> I'll give you 20 for the time. Bye. I'm a Canadian. Only money. Only money, man. Uh, anywho, uh, so what happens after that? So they meet in the salon, salon, no, that's a hair salon. Salon, yeah. <laughs> Where Timothy Oliphant gets his lovely hair done. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it tracks. <laughs> it does track, doesn't it? It really does. Oh, should we have a moment to think about it? No. Uh, so then what? they meet, and I like that little face-off that they have, where, mm. where um, you know, Marshall, Seth, Raylan, <laughs> whatever it is. <laughs> He's basically every Timothy Olyphant character yeah. except mm. the bad guy from Die Hard 4 and the drug dealer from Go. And yeah, he's, into he's one. not very much like the romantic lead in Catch and Release, but except in my fanfic. <laughs> <laughs> this wow. is true. So anyway, so they have that lovely moment. He's so laconic that he's like, I guess only one of us is walking out of here. And that's quite a cool moment. And you think, yeah. oh, is this going to end off? But don't, they're not going to kill Timothy Olivant after, after two seconds. I love that moment when the crate tracking sort of moseys into town just basically avoids all the buildings just goes right down the road in the middle but when he pops it just the way he just holds that one finger up to mando and walks to the door yes. like that that was a proper justified moment to me uh i thought that was great i yes. enjoyed the little flashback as well and i do i think i love the mining collective this kind of militarized miners this must have been what arthur scargill had in mind back in the 80s <laughs> oh just my like God. taking over town you know shooting up the place Wow. Oh, Laura Thatcher, fucking stand down. <laughs> Jesus. That is not the kind of, wow. I look forward to your review of The Crown Season 4, James. Wow. Oh my God. I, mean, I, I actually have that. Is Boba Fett in it at the end? Yes, yes he is. Tamara Morrison pops up in a final last act visit to Buckingham Palace. It was really unexpected. <laughs> yeah, he, he plays Tony Blair. What? <laughs> what I liked in that in that sequence was that they basically all just sat around watching the Death Star blow up like it was like a sports game or something. Like you see those clips of people going nuts at the World Cup yeah. you know, it's like, with replay and everything. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, who was filming it? The rebels <laughs> make a very good point. Yeah, <laughs> no, it must have been one of the like Admiral Akbar knows the value of public relations. He must have been yeah filming Train that, that ship. camera on that space station. Get it in focus. This isn't in focus, you're fucking fired. Uh, is what Akbar would have said. Uh, anyway, so I have to say, Helen, we're going to get onto Boba Fett in a second. And I know you're not the biggest Boba Fett fan in the world. Mm. And I know that this second season might be anathema to you. It might be a trial. Yeah. <laughs> but it was fucking cool when they both started flying with the jetpacks, wasn't it? That mm -hmm. was fun. We liked yeah. that bit. Yeah, that was, that was actually quite fun. That, I will give it that. You grudgingly admit it. Yeah. I also like the uh, the first appearance of Marshall Seth Raylan because, you know, that's Boba Fett's armor, but it's not Boba Fett. Mm -hmm. You know, he's thinner than Boba Fett, like he's worked out, like he's, you know, 
taking on lots of nutrients and carbs and really, really gone for it. And <laughs> that, that body's lean is what I was thinking. To lean. I think he's, I think he's not taking on carbs, Chris. I think is what yeah. has probably made the That's difference there. Pure protein, Sorry. Chris. Pure protein. Pure protein. I knew I couldn't think of the word because I don't have it. I never, I, I never <laughs> eat it. You're like, you're like, what is the thing, the healthy thing? Carbs. <laughs> yes, carbs. Carbs. <laughs> carbs. carbs. Give me more carbs. carbs. You're like, I've yes. been carbing for years. I don't understand why I don't look like tomorrow Morrison or indeed anyone else on the show. Um, so anyway, yes. So that was really cool as well. But it brings us, I guess they killed the evil. Well, they killed the thingy. Someone wrote in saying, "Do you, were you disappointed that after everything in the show, it basically revolves around killing a creature that's native to Tatooine? And that it's just it's, oh, it's going about his day. It's just going about his day. And then mm-hmm. it gets blown up. Justice for crate dragons is what you're saying. Yeah. And he goes yeah. full Drax on it as well. Yeah, I yeah. had a bit of that. Like, it seemed a bit sad. Not just because I'm a big dragon fan generally, but, you know, it's an apex predator. It could destabilize the whole ecosystem if you kill that. Mm. You know, Bantha's breeding out of control, a whole place overrun by giant herds of them. Cats and dogs living together, mass hysteria. They, sh- they shouldn't have allowed the sand people to take the pearl because, as we all know, loot crate's bad. What? <laughs> I'm try- oh god! I'm trying to unpick the nerdy levels of this. I don't Luke, know. No, no, no love for loot crates. Okay, well that was a gag that was lost on everyone. No oh. mind. Explain, okay. please explain. The Timothy well, loot crates. Loot crates are a thing in gaming which oh. people do not like, and they loot the crate, which sounds a bit like loot crates. So We're looting back to crates Resident is Evil bad. again. Humor. Well, on the okay, video game good. front, the, the killing the um, crate dragon felt a bit of that. Yeah, that Shadow of the Colossus thing mm-hmm. of like, oh no, we killed the big magical beast, and it was a big magical beast that maybe killed people, but oh no, maybe we shouldn't have killed it. It did feel yeah. regrettable. I do think, though, that I think that's why it was quite why the body count's quite as high as it was in that battle was to establish that maybe this thing needs mm. to be killed. I still don't necessarily buy that because you know David Attenborough wouldn't approve. But I do think that that's why there's so many things uh, killed, and also I think that's why the Tuscan nobody's going to argue with the Tuscan Raiders taking the pearl because they definitely suffered most in that fight. I mean, you have to say, you knew that the first approach was going to fail because Mando and Marshall Givens were just standing like 60 feet from the battle. So you (laughs) definitely knew that wasn't going to be the end of it. This was definitely not working. If they were just standing there, finger on a button, while, you know, Tusken Raiders died in their scores, it just didn't seem right, did it? I liked the uh, the first attempt where they left the bantha outside and then the crate dragon yeah. comes out of his cave and eats the bloke instead. And yeah. Mando comes perilously close to cracking a joke. He goes, well, they may be open to other ideas. <laughs> that felt like a deliberate attempt at humour. Well done, Mando. You're going as a person. So after they, they dispatch the poor dragon, it's just doing its job, just living its life, just like the shark and jaws, that the shark and jaws do what it needs to do, guys. You don't need to interfere with it. Can we just shout out the poor banther as well, who they were like, mm. just strap all the explosives to that banther. And he's like, wait, what? <laughs> what? Me? Yeah. They're so oh, nice. Am I banther fodder? But I'm a banther. I can't be banther <laughs> fodder and a banther. Oh, God. Like the equivalent of red shirts in Star Trek. Mm. Mm. So they kill the thing and then, you know, Mando and Marshall thingy have their moment. And it's like, oh, I'll see you in episode, I'm going to say six. Episode six is when we'll see him again. That's my guess. I'm going to put it on the record right here, right now, episode six. The whole team for the grand finale. But as Mando speeder bikes off into the distance past the twin sons of Tatooine, a dark, shadowy, bald figure is watching him from a distance. Well, yeah, James watched the whole episode. (laughs) (laughs) And that figure is played by Tamira Morrison reprising his role from speed to cruise control. <laughs> or is it from Attack of the Clones? Well, it's not his role from Attack of the Clones, is it? Is that Boba Fett? How is Boba Fett going to play into this series, season? Is he going to be an antagonist, a protagonist, a bow-tagonist? What's happening? I don't know. It could be Captain Rex. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's totally Boba Fett, though, isn't it? Let's be, let's just... It is, yes. I'm just going to try and, you know, adjust myself to that idea now. I think he's going to be an antagonist that probably ends up 
teaming up in some way with the Mandalorian and they end up with some kind of mutual respect bollocks um, because <laughs> everybody fucking loves Boba Fett for some fucking reason. I don't know. <laughs> but maybe the fact that because Helen's beef with Boba Fett, as far as I understand it, please don't let me speak for you, Helen, but I, as far as I understand it, Helen's beef with Boba Fett is that he is just a cool costume with nothing else going on and that maybe taking that cool costume away from him and giving some, him something to actually do to have more of a role or a personality or something going on they there is a chance to do something interesting with what is effectively a bit of a blank canvas Just saying they're going to win helen over sure Maybe. it's possible genuinely it's possible it, weirder things have happened um and they could hardly do less with him than the original trilogy <laughs> and i'm sure you'll all love him even more so that's that's super great it hardly matters what i think does it fucking hell <laughs> wow <laughs> <laughs> No, look, I, I genuinely, I hope that they do something to justify 40 years of Boba Fett adoration, <laughs> because I, I, I've always been baffled by it. I've never understood it. And I, I, you know, I'd like to be in the same club as the entire, well, entire male half of my generation appears to be, you know, I just, I don't get it. Do you think there'll be a scene where he reflects um, awkwardly on his terrible, terrible uh, fate in Return of the Jedi? How embarrassingly quickly he just f was flung into the jaws of the Sarlacc mm. pit. He that's got it. That's not that's not going to feel good. We'll definitely see him crawling out or something, won't we? Because uh, technically, those books aren't canon anymore because they were written before mm. The Force Awakens, right? So they're technically not canon. So they're going to have to put that mm. back into canon if he's alive. So there's probably going to be some kind of flashback or something in the same way that they did with uh, Cobb Vanth and, and sort of re rejigged his origin. That's why I'm a bit miffed about the Cobb Vanth thing because they took all these books out of canon and now they're introducing more books that are now canon. Do we have to read these things? I don't want to read something by Chuck Wendig. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to read. What? I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to read full stop. Period. I don't think we have to. If we can just go with the show version, right? It's fine. Yeah. yeah. We're not professionals. It's all right. Do you think, uh, do you think Jeremy Bullock was watching this episode going, you motherfucker. <laughs> what a load of Seth Bullocks. <laughs> I did immediately send a text at the end of the episode saying, so that was slightly, slightly melted Boba Fett. That was Tamira Morrison. What's going on there? Accidentally sent it to Lizzie. She was very confused and said, this text is not for me. And then I sent it to James and he said one word, yes. Oh my God. Which Lizzie? Uh, Lizzie at our work or your fiance Lizzie? No, no, my fiance Lizzie. All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Lizzie B from uh, the Super Sub uh, Empire magazine would have been equally confused by that text. Super Sub in that she's a super sub editor, not that she's like David Fairclough for Liverpool, and then you bring her off the bench with ten minutes or to go indeed, and need to go. Like a submissive, or do you, yeah, or a submissive, or indeed like the Red October. That's also a super sub. <laughs> were you surprised that Boba Fett is showing up in this episode? Because I thought they were going to. Spin it out a little bit longer than they did that he was even in this. Yes, it surprised me. I don't know. I, for me, when I saw, when you saw the armor and then saw what they were doing, that you go, oh, there's the armor. Oh, but it's not him. I thought it's only a matter of time before they before they kind of give you actual Boba Fett. And I think what's slightly a shame. Um, obviously, we got the first series really late compared to America, and I'd managed to block everything out apart from the baby Yoda memes until that point. So everything along the way was a real surprise. And now that there is so much scrutiny on this show, it's almost the Game of Thrones effect where there is there are so many reports coming out of the production as much as they keep it under wraps that there are things that we sort of know going into this season in a way that I just wish I didn't. Really? Like as soon as I saw that I armor, I, I mean, so it was already out there in one of the reports um, that that Timothy Oliphant was going to be in it as a character who wears the Boba Fett armor. So even kind of details along those lines in a right. like a deadline or Hollywood reporter style. I think we knew he was called Vance, to be fair. So there Did are we? certain things yeah. that we know going into this and and one of the things that was reported was that obviously Boba Fett is back and it's exciting in those months while you're waiting for this season to come out while you're just scrabbling for ooh what what what's th what the next set of episodes going to bring when those bits of news come along, yeah, it's exciting to read, but it's only more exciting not knowing that stuff and getting to experience it in mm. the episodes for the first time. So I, I didn't know that that was going to happen in this episode, but also when he did turn up, 
even outside of what you see in the episode, it it wasn't as much as a surprise as I would have liked it to be. But that's that's just the internet. That's the news cycle. Mm-hmm. That's how these things work. The only things I know that are potentially lined up for this season, yeah, Boba Fett. But there's the Ahsoka Tano thing. We we think we know that she's going to mm-hmm. be in it, and we think that it's going to be Rosario Dawson playing her. But otherwise, I don't really know anything, and I've purposefully stayed away from knowing anything about this this season so that yeah. every every Friday morning when I get up, 7am at the moment, as of next week, the clocks go back in the States, so we'll be back to 8am, thank Christ. Um, <laughs> and hopefully not a 54-minute episode, Fabs. If you're listening to this, I know you are. If you have time, just cut 10 minutes out of every episode. Doesn't matter if it oh makes sense. Oh my God. And in no circumstances, cut time out of the episodes. One yeah. of the biggest, one of the biggest things that they said about episode you remember the meme that went around uh on season one when it was like the episodes are too short i have spoken like that was the biggest complaint like people didn't like that some of the episodes were half an hour long and while i am always in favor of shorter things because of the amount of stuff we have to watch i want more mando all the time Mm. give me longer episodes (laughs) yeah i'm fine with longer episodes too i do think the shorter runtimes did work sometimes though because like Mm. we were saying it's not structured like a regular tv show where you have b plots and sometimes c plots where yeah your a plot is sort of 35 minutes long and then an extra 10 minutes or so is with other characters. So commercial 55 breaks. minutes with one, yeah. yeah, without breaks and with one sort of central storyline, it, it did feel a little bit long for me this week, but I still enjoyed the whole thing. I will not turn my nose up at a Star Wars. Yeah, I think, for example, they could have cut out that scene where the hapless homesteader castigates a Tuscan Raider for huh. dropping the explosives if it wasn't for the fact that you have Timothy Oliphant delivering a great line reading of, it was an accident. And it's like, okay, yeah, keep that in. Keep that in. <laughs> it's where Timothy Oliphant talks. Yes, and maybe keep it, it in. Was, it made it clear immediately that that was the plan, was explosives, mm. maybe. So it's a useful thing yes. to have in there, I guess. Mm. Here's yeah. a question that's just mm. occurred to me. Did anyone think when Mando gets swallowed by the crate dragon and then there's a big explosion and he says to, the last thing he says to Marshall Bullock is look after the child. Did anyone think for a second, holy shit, first episode of season two, they've killed Mando and he's transferred the the name not, of the show to another character? Not for one second. Not for a second? Not for a second? From the second that Crate Dragon came on, I knew they were going to go full Drax. It kind of feels like the Jonah and the Whale approach is really the only way to take that thing down. So, in mm. fact, I fully expect Timothy Chalamet to do that in Dune. <laughs> I enjoyed also the the tooling up rearrangement of the Mando theme when they're setting the traps. We had mm. a rearrangement of the theme to to the tooling up. I thought that was lovely, a lovely bit of music. I mean, the music, mm. it's so good to have the music back. It's such a good yeah. theme. One thing I was kind of intrigued by was um, Timothy Oldfant's sort of goodbye to Mando. He says, you know, let them know it wasn't me that broke it about the yeah. armor. And it seems like it's it's a much less complete set of armor than even Boba Fett wore, never mind Mando's Mando's own. Mm. So it feels like some bits, I don't know if Boba still has some bits or some bits were just digested, but it feels like there's some bits missing. He doesn't have much. If you actually look at him in the film, like a lot of him is that kind of, he's got a khaki jumpsuit and he has mm. little <laughs> plates of armor over this kind of boiler suit thing that he wears. But actually he's quite fabric-y rather than armor. Oh, okay. So you reckon mm. it's pretty much all there? Yeah, I think that's most of it. Like, mm. I don't know quite what else there is. So what's mm. broken then? What's he referring to? Well, I guess because it's all a bit knackered, isn't it? And it's yeah. got, you know, Sarlacc gobble over it. <laughs> also, he's far better at shooting the the big missile out of the out of his back than, than Boba Fett is. Yeah, because Boba like Fett's that- shit. Yeah, Bob, yeah, Boba Fett's shit, yeah. And, and uh, I really like the sequence where he takes out the mining dudes, but it's framed very much like the sequence in the first Iron Man where he fires the rocket at the tank and then turns away and... So it's a little bit like that. So it's, cool it's guys Fav's, walk away from explosions. It's Fav's doing his masked man thing once again. All right, real quick, some questions from from listeners. You've been sending in some stuff. Uh, at Asfar Shah asks, how does the pod feel about the amount of talking and exposition Mando does in this episode? By my account, he speaks more in this episode than the entirety of the last season. I don't think so. <laughs> I hadn't really noticed it. I no, was too I busy waiting either. for the next Baby Yoda reaction shot. <laughs> he's he's doing a lot of translation here because he speaks. Yeah. Um, he speaks. Tuscan. Also dog, which is quite nice. Yeah. I rather enjoyed that. Uh, and I also enjoyed the dog eyeing up Baby Yoda for dinner. That was quite a fun moment. Mm. It's the new uh, Chewy eyeing up a porg by the fire. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, don't do it. Tasty porgs. Yum. At Luke Feezy 
asks, the story of how Cobb Fanth came by his armour is very different in the show to the convoluted but previously canon story from the Aftermath books. Some people on Twitter have got quite irate about this. No fucking shit, Sherlock, <laughs> as they tend to do. Do you feel different sources within shared media universes should be beholden to each other, or do you think it's fine to jettison previously established bits of canon for the sake of the narrative they're telling now? It's yes. fine. It's fine. It's absolutely fine. Although... From a Lucasfilm point of view, the books are canon, so it's a bit like it's yeah. an odd thing to do for Lucasfilm, but I'm I'm all here for it. But it's, 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 it's you know, Fav should not be beholden to a decision made by Chuck Wendig. <laughs> Poor Chuck Wendig. Poor richer, more successful and famous than any of us, Chuck Wendig. <laughs> At Andrew Steele 52 do you have any wild guess how long The Mandalorian may run for? Forever. <laughs> well, Baby Yoda is 50. He's going to live to 900, so do the maths. <laughs> I'm in it for the long haul. I am here for as many seasons as they will give us. But I mean, at the moment, it is it is the Disney Plus series, really. Mm. Obviously, yeah. I think around like maybe end of the year. I think they said before the end of 2020, we're getting One Division, and the Marvel stuff is going to kick in further down the line. You would have thought they will they will hold mm. on to this particular cash banther for a little well, while yet. They're starting shooting on <laughs> yeah. season three this year, so mm. like, and they're already in pre production, so. I mean, it is great the way that they shoot this. Obviously, we spoke about that a lot last time around with with the volume. That seems like, a, 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 especially in these pandemic-y times, a slightly mm. more feasible production means. With I also really on. want to know how they did the Banthers, because they looked animatronic-y Banthers. Like, they, they all moved in a very uniform way. I don't mm. think they, like, put wigs on elephants the way George Lucas used to do, but they look like they're, you know, they're, they're animatronic elephant, uh, Banthers. I kind of want a baby Banther. I'd like a baby. Well, that'd be banther. cute. Oh, baby Yoda on a baby banther. Oh my god! Ah. We've hit upon Disney's next billion dollar show. Christmas 2021 sorted. <laughs> wow. That's that's kind of amazing. Yeah, I thought the effects were really, really good. There's only a couple of mm. moments where it looked slightly not dodge, but you know, with Mando on the speeder bike from behind didn't look as if it was good lord. Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> anyway. And the big crate dragon thing did look really good. It looked yeah. impressively mm. huge and like proper blockbustery mm. Disney Plus being like, We're TV, but we're bigger than TV. It mm. felt like that that kind of, yeah, the yeah, bit on level the of production value. Was mm. fantastic. Very I smug. like how fucked off it was, yeah. And the way, you know, it was quite clever tactically appearing at the top of the mountain so it could gobble mm. people from from above. Uh, at Mister, this is what people pay their money for. The word <laughs> at I Madness asks, why didn't Mando ask Justified where the Jawa crawler is? That's the lead he needs, right? Uh, is it? My take on this is that how would he know where the Jawa crawler was? That was that mm. happened a few years ago, and it's probably not there anymore. And but I don't think there's a lead, isn't there? Like, it, like the whole point is they, they thought there was a Mandalorian there, but actually it's just a dude wearing Mandalorian armor. So I yeah. think it's like it's a dead end, isn't it, for him? And, mm. and also, I feel like the there was, and this may be me reading too much into it. There was a sense I thought that Mando recognized the armor as the armor that had been stolen by that dude. So I wonder if there's an element of of knowing actually where it comes from and knowing that that guy won't have the answers he needs. Mm. I don't understand exactly why he thinks other Mandalorians are the way to find Baby Yoda's people, <laughs> to be perfectly I. honest. That seemed extremely spurious to Very me. Very yeah. flawed logic, isn't it? Um, I would ask Cheeves. That's what he should be doing. <laughs> yes. Right, the Star Wars great equivalent. idea. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I have a Jawa question. So there are Jawas all over the galaxy and mm -hmm. on various planets and on all these different planets they all have identical sand crawlers so are, are have they propagated themselves across various planets with the same technology or how how are they i i understand that they have cropped up on all kinds of different planets but how do they all have the same types of sand crawlers so you're saying that somewhere there's a jawa homeworld where they uh, like, make giant space cruisers that can then hold all of these sand crawlers and then they travel around desert planets because every planet in Star Wars mm -hmm. is just one thing seeding <laughs> them with both Jawas and sand crawlers yeah because are they are they smart enough to be able to uh, and have the means to create these massive sand crawlers on all these different wow. planets how dare you so you ben. think there's like a creator behind the Jawas Ugh. who seeds all the desert planets in the universe with both Jawas and sand crawlers and presumably returns regularly to 
you know, keep those sand crawlers running. Maybe so. And if that is all sounding very Prometheus-y, that, that weird goopy thing that he was trying to make them drink, that the sand uh-huh. uh, people were yeah. trying to make them drink, I was uh-huh. like, don't, you, you press the black thing and the dust comes out and don't drink it. That is yeah. alien spawn. Wow. I mean, you've, you've blown this whole thing wide open. We've connected it to Dune and now alien as well. Incredible. Well, we only mentioned Tremors once, and that was me. I've mentioned it twice now, and no one's taken the bait, so no one's going for it. Tremors. Yeah, Tremors. Yeah, Tremors is good. Or Grabbers. Uh, or Grabbers, yeah. Mm. Mainly Tremors. Mostly the Tremors. Graboids. Curator John was the person who asked a question about the, do you think it's problematic that the story of togetherness and overcoming differences hangs off the killing of an ancient and indigenous species? <laughs> <laughs> Look, it got in the way. It got in the way. <laughs> I love the fact that as well, it was basically like, you know, Raylan goes and says, hey, listen, we should take care of this thing. It might come for us at one point. (laughs) It might, you know, and there's a school. It might come for the school. We don't know when. Some guy at the back goes, "Uh, it's it's never really done anything to us. What are you talking about? It's no, there's no evidence it's coming for the school. He he went full Trump. He went full Trump. He did. Oh my god! I, I can't get behind him anymore. I think to show how well he knew his townspeople. Really, like the, that he knew the emotional buttons to push. He fired yeah. I don't them think up. he was necessarily entirely disingenuous. But. Okay, let's go with that then. Uh, very quickly, at Jethro Colmer asks, uh, "What other with this week's monster feeling like an oversized Tremors reference?" Thank you, Jethro Colmer. <laughs> Hot on the heels of the rise of Skywalker's Dune worms, what other subterranean movie monsters should Star Wars pay homage to next? Pitch Black. <laughs> yeah, yes. that the same episode. Yeah, um, perhaps the descent. The descent. Have Mando go underground Ooh. and be attached by those <gasps> leechy scary. things. Oh my god, he might have to lie. do that if Boba Fett comes after him and goes, "I want my armor back." Robert Farley, are there any subtle reference points you hope to see in the future with R five D four and part of Anakin's pod racer? I I want I want I want to see Watto. I want to see what what's become of him. Drugs. <laughs> death sticks. Yeah. How are you? He's on the death sticks. <laughs> I want to see Alan Slees Bagano running a death sticks rehabilitation center. Yeah, because he went home and rethought his life. Wow. Yes, he really did. Come to the death sticks rehabilitation center and rethink your life like I did. <laughs> <laughs> He's just now a cult weirdo. <laughs> cult I think weirdo. they should all go back to the opera like they did in. Uh, not even the Phantom Menace. Was that the second one? Which of the prequels was uh, it's, the it's opera? It's three, yeah. It's yeah. episode three. The, the plague is the wise. The plague is the wise. All right, oh, last question. Sean Brown at Echo Base 1977. Do you think you might be a Star Wars fan? Was I the only one underwhelmed by the reveal at the end? I had to check the end credits to see that it was actually Tamura Morrison. It was clearly Tamura Morrison. <laughs> I think if you're not a mega, mega Star Wars person, though, I don't think it is His clear. name is at Echo Base 1977. <laughs> <laughs> For this person, it probably should have been clear. But I think to a lot of people um, who aren't as, who don't go as deep, who don't recognize Tamura Morrison's face, who don't understand the connection of this guy to this armor and this story in the prequels and and who all the clones are but i'm sure they're gonna sort of double down on that in in future episodes surely they'll have to make it accessible to an extent to to more casual fans i mean i i sort of it was my first thought i'm pretty sure that's tamira morrison but it wasn't until his name was in the credits and i was quite surprised his name was in the credits that it was like oh okay yeah that was that was definitely him so i i I don't think it was unclear but i don't think it was like they, they didn't zone in on his face and him sort of shaking his fist at the armor going, or something. Going, yeah, but I'll tell you one thing, I, I, a little bone to pick with the credits on The Mandalorian very, very quickly before we wrap up, is that they don't tell you who the main characters are playing, who the main stars are playing at the end of the credits. If you watch, if you actually sit through the credits, Disney Plus tries to pluck you away and show you something else. But if you can stay the course and watch the mm. credits, it tells you the you know, the, the supporting players. So that's how I knew W. Earl Brown was in the episode. But, you know, I missed, the first time I watched it this morning, I missed Olivent saying Cobb Fanth, you know, because Star Wars, when you first hear it, is just gobbledygook. So yeah. he basically just introduced himself. What's your character name? I'm gobbledygook. And I didn't know who it was. 
And I was like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm going to have to watch it again with the subtitles on, which I did and helped a lot, and <laughs> which is cool. But it doesn't tell you. So if it had said at the end, and Tamura Morrison, then it cuts the credits and going Boba Fett, then you see, you see, it would, it would help. But then you wouldn't be able to ask these fascinating questions like, is it really Boba Fett or is it one of his <laughs> bajillion clones? This is a very, very good point. Uh, but listen, I am so excited about the fact that we're watching this at the same time as the States and mm. uh, we're finding out all these answers at the same time, but rather than six months behind as we were last time. So this is fun. Hurrah. That is it for episode one of season two, aka chapter nine, The Marshal. <laughs> uh, we'll be back next week for chapter 10. Don't know who's in it. Don't know what it's about. Don't know who wrote it. Don't know who directed it. Don't know anything. It's exciting. These are exciting times. Join us next week for that. The regular podcast is out every single Friday, as you know. And if you are a subscriber to the Sporter Special channels, as you are, if you're listening to this, you've got tons of goodies coming your way. You've got the Rebecca Spoiler Special. You've got Ghosts Series 2 Spoiler Special with most of the creative team behind that. That'll be up very, very soon as well. Tons and tons of stuff coming your way. Freaky, His House, Dawn of the Dead. Oh my God, the gift keeps on giving like a great dragon pearl. But until we meet again, back here next week, same Mando time, same Mando channel, it is goodbye from my three Mando explainers of such lethal cunning. Baby Yoda strikes back, Ben Travis. Goodbye. Goodbye, Baby Yoda Ben. I'm, I'm, I'm pressing the button and the little thing is coming over my crib and I'm hiding away. <laughs> I believe this. It is goodbye. From get him dead, <laughs> James Dyer. Goodbye. It is goodbye from Oliphantastic, <laughs> Helen O'Hara. Toodaloo. And it's goodbye from me, Lee J. Cobb Fanth. Uh, usually I finish these Mandalorian spoiler specials by saying simply, I have spoken, but this time I'm going to adapt the writing style of Chuck Wendig. I am speaking. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. See you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>